What do you want? I'd like a vibrator, please. And a pair of handcuffs. Uh, get him out of here. He's not 18. Hey man, come on, I'm 18. Get him out of here. Oh, come on, give me the magazine Let's bag. Let's go out of the store. Shit. And a what? Cock ring. Oh, cock ring. What size? Hey, get the latest issue of Nuns and Nazis. Tuesday. What size? Uh, medium, I suppose. Is it for you? Medium will be fine. Sure. Okay, your vibrator started at 1095 and go up. We've got the salami, the man of war, and alien. It just give me the cheapest one. Wait a minute. There's nothing cheap about my store. You mean inexpensive, don't you? Isn't that what you meant? Yes. That's what I thought you meant. You want a cheap pair of handcuffs, too? Yes. All right, you're going to need some lubricant for this vibrator. We've got KY and Lay Orgy Gel. Hey, you taste it, you're going to buy it, all right? The Lay Orgy Gel comes in lemon, mint, cherry, or trail mix. Trail mix? I was making a joke. Just these three items will be fine. You know, you're probably going to need some uh, Stay Hard Roll-On. No, thanks. Some Titty Lube? No. China Shrink Cream? No. Benoit Dancing Egg? Just these three items will be fine. Okay, Hot Rod, it comes to $19.50. But I'm telling you, you're going to need a lubricant for this vibrator. Unless your date's inflatable. Ha! For your information, I am buying this to use as a novelty cocktail stir. Sure! listening to they must be destroyed on site the following podcast contains adult language adult situations and spoilers for the movies discussed occur often you've been warned now take it away dr roush they must be destroyed on site Welcome back. It is They Must Be Destroyed on Site, episode 263. And I'm your host, Lee. Help my ego by telling me you have some weird pussy disease, Russell. (laughs) (laughs) And there's so many great lines. I I was struggling. I was struggling. And you just heard her. She is my co-hostess with the mostest. Lee, you taste it. You're going to buy it hardy. How you doing, man? That's a good one. Oh my god. Okay. Um, remind me, because I, I, I know I'm going to forget because I'm terrible at this stuff. But remind me, there's something about the whole a uh, sex store thing that I have to like talk about when we talk about the movie because okay. I know I'm going to forget because it's very minor, and I didn't write it in my notes. But uh, when I was re-listening like, listening to that again, there's definitely mm-hmm. something that like I do want to bring up. <laughs> Anyways, okay. I'm fantastic. How are you? <laughs> Good. Excellent. Uh, we are doing Eating Raul. Continuing our uh, little, like, loosely connected string of episodes. Where it's, hey, you know. You're welcome. <laughs> yeah. You know, a little bit of, little bit of Paul Bartel, a little bit of Mary Warnoff. So Eating Raul from 1982. We're going to be talking about that a little later on. Before we get into that, uh, I'm just going to mention, I forgot to mention this last week. So 
I'm gonna mention it now. Uh, our friend Vaughn, he has an excellent podcast called uh, Motion Picture Massacre. I was on a recent episode, not the latest episode, but a recent episode where he did the Meatballs franchise, uh, the four films in that, and he had a different host on for each movie. I was the unlucky guy who got Meatballs 2, which is the worst <laughs> in the fucking series. But we had a fun conversation about it, and it's a good episode, and you should check it out. And it will be linked down in the show notes, so do that. Uh, we can go on to what we've watched in the last little while, and uh, I'll throw it over to you first. <laughs> <laughs> she is eating pasta. Sorry, as I just shoved my... I got my food late, I'm sorry. Um, it's all right. Okay, so I've been watching... Rewatching. Hold on. Okay. Yeah. I've been half rewatching, half like recently watching for the first time because I have not seen the series uh, from beginning to end fully. But Gargoyles, mm-hmm. uh, the ever so popular TV series, animated TV series for all of us children back in the 90s. I love the first season of that. And then like they made changes in the second season where it's like, I'm out of this. I'm on the second season. I'm enjoying it. Yeah, it. I, I I might be wrong, but I seem to recall, and like when it came out, it was like right around the time when I was about maybe a little too old to be watching cartoons on TV necessarily. You know, uh, I was like sort of aging out of it, I guess. But it's it felt like it suffered from the same thing that like stuff like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles did, where it's like the first season. There's all these great episodes that are really well drawn and animated, and then they take like half the budget out of the second season, where it's like all of a sudden noticeably not as good as is the first season. Whatever. Um. <laughs> well, well I, maybe I'm wrong, but uh, you know, you could be right. Uh, I think I'm just like suffering from nostalgia because, mm-hmm. like, literally, I'll see some episodes that I haven't seen since I was a kid, and I'm like, I remember this episode, but I never saw it. I never saw it fully. Um. When I was a kid, I had a really strict, like, time allocated for TV because mm-hmm. my parents were very strict about, like, us being outside. And if we did watch TV, we were allowed, like, only an hour in English and had the rest had to be French, which I know sounds really strict. But realistically, like, I definitely give it to my parents because because of that, I learned a lot of French. Makes sense. Like, I learned a lot of, like, the, the pronunciation and the the phonetics and all that kind of stuff, like it, because of listening to French TV shows. So I got to watch the same stuff just in French. Like I had the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle movie and I had it in French. I used to mm-hmm. watch it like a thousand times over. And I think that's a really good way. Cause like, I'm still getting to watch the shows that I really enjoy. I just had mm-hmm. to watch them in French. Yeah. Which now I've been doing because I've been trying to re get my French. So, uh, never a punishment. It was always something that as much as I thought it was as a kid, I think it was really smart of my parents because that would, was like, you want to watch more TV? Watch it in French. Would you say you're a better French person than an Italian person? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. I know zero Italian except like Comorstai and Eschbet and um, Ciao. Ciao, Bella. <laughs> Ciao, Bella. Uh, that's it. <laughs> yeah. There There's you a go. few others that I, I probably know here and there, but uh, French, I was like fully bilingual. Um, like really strong for the longest time, but haven't used it in last like really used it in the last fourteen years, so I've lost a lot of it. Mm-hmm. But uh, I still have it. I just have to get back into it. Um. Anyways, back to gargoyles. Mm-hmm. Uh. So yeah, I was watching gargoyles, and I'm on the second season. Mm-hmm. And 
holy fuck okay this is like a kids show that we enjoyed like when we were younger i i know you're 10 years older than me yeah so it's a little bit different age group but when i was younger uh this was my age group and like you said you kind of phased out of it because you were like Mm -hmm. as it was coming in uh you were older and it was becoming more popular when i was younger so i get that kind of transition period it's a kid's show and there's a lot of death oh yeah i know they don't show it but if you like when i was a kid watching this and i know my attention span was terrible back then because me as an adult who's like learned to work on it has still has a terrible attention span Mm -hmm. um so I, I realized that, like, I barely recognized any of these deaths, and I realized that I barely recognized, like, the violence in this. Yeah. But I watched the one episode, I recently just watched one episode, where Demona's, like, walking down the street, smashing all the humans. <laughs> like, she kills, like, <laughs> ten humans and laughs about it, and, like, it's never even brought up that there was this mass murder happening on the street either. Like, even on the radio, because we have our cop uh, detective, who's a part of the group, and there's nothing about, oh, there was a series of deaths that happened on the street. And Demona had a rampage. And no, it doesn't even brought up. It's like casually like, oh, yeah, we're back to human again. Like, yeah. like, honestly, like, now as an adult rewatching this, how violent this goddamn show was. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's just funny. It's just really funny to rewatch stuff when you're a kid, when you're like, this is allowed as a kid. And then as someone who's like babysat and taking care of kids and literally watching be like, what can I show these kids? <laughs> that might have been like the last period where kind of like mainstream cartoon shows on TV during the day were allowing stuff like that. You know, it, I, I feel like, you know, we're just getting to the point where that stuff would only be shown on like uh, MTV's Liquid Television or Adult Swim later on. Yeah, because we had like our Saturday morning cartoons and it mm-hmm. entailed of Ninja Turtles, X-Men, Gargoyles. X-Men was fairly adult as well, right? Like it, mm-hmm. it I mean, they're bringing that back, I guess. They're like doing like a sequel series to that or something in on Disney Plus. So yeah, like uh, there was a lot of shows that I remember that were that were violent, that were like superhero or action related or whatever. Mm-hmm. But like basically like comic books, yeah, they were pretty fucking violent. Like yeah, yeah. I was nine, ten, eleven watching these, so I wasn't even in my teens yet. So I don't know. Explains again, a lot. Again. Explains a lot. I'm gonna say, just <laughs> uh, the cinema wounds last forever. Every time I hear that, I just think <laughs> of like all the stuff that we were allowed to watch as a kid, mm-hmm. like all the stuff that was like. I know there was other. Like, hey, this is a big thing too. Like, there's difference between us watching like Saturday morning cartoons and watching those kind of stuff. But when we realistically, like the deaths that we saw were mm-hmm. very like minor because you didn't like I said like Demona smashing statues really wasn't murdering like that was uh it, it technically was but as a child it, you don't even realize it yeah it, san- it sanitizes it for kids because yeah. they can't really make the distinction necessarily yeah they're so. like oh that person got smashed <laughs> like whatever mm-hmm. doesn't matter um but I remember being a kid and my parents just not caring because I remember watching like all the James Bond movies from when I was like a toddler to now and watch these movies now i'm like why did you let me watch these i mean it's like, fine you, it's there's fine. so much torture and nudity and torture like 
obviously the violence is a lot worse than the sex because uh, like sex really is is seen as worse than violence but like murdering somebody is way worse than having sex with somebody and i mean but- <laughs> i mean the and i mean the sex in james bond films is very there's, boob. there, there's boobs but very but they're usually in the background kind of thing no, like, but you see nipple you can find nipple yeah you can but i mean and also like you know some especially when you get to like roger okay. Moore era Hold the on violence is very cartoonish Hold on a second. There are scenes where, like, they cut the the victim, mm-hmm. throw him in a tank, and have the sharks pick at him. Yeah. I'm sorry, it, when you're a child, that's not something you should be watching. <laughs> uh, maybe, maybe not. Your body's slowly being eaten. No wonder I have so many, like, weird dreams of me dying. Like, seriously, I've watched all the fucking James Bond from birth. This is the first I've heard of your death dreams, but, uh, okay. Um... I blame our parents. <laughs> yeah, well, a lot of people blame their parents. Yeah, so you know, we'll, we'll, anything, anything else you watch? Do you want to talk about? Or? That's it. I just, I just want to have a good laugh at that. I'll just mention two things, uh, both movies from this year. Uh, so I watched uh, Day Shift on Netflix, which is uh, the new Jamie Fox, Snoop Dogg, Vampire Hunter movie, where they, you know, I, I think, I think maybe. Carrie mentioned it on the last episode, if I'm not mistaken, or no, somebody, no, uh, Gary did. Gary Hill, he, he mentioned it. But uh, yeah, not bad. It's formulaic. It's a buddy cop movie. It probably would have been better if it was Jamie Foxx and Snoop Dogg as the buddy buddies, because instead it's uh, James Franco's brother is like the straight lace cop or whatever has to keep Jamie Foxx in line, basically. I say cop. But it, it is a buddy cop movie, but it's just vampire hunters. But it's not bad. It, you know, it's a formula that works. I, I kind of wish they'd just gone outside of the formula because it's much more interesting when Jamie Foxx and Snoop Dogg are hanging out and, and doing shit. And like, they're both way too good for the movie, honestly. Like, it seems like a pretty like entertaining duo as well. They are. They're very good. Like, they're very good. Like, when it, whenever they're together on screen, it's it's fucking fire. Whenever it's fucking Jamie Foxx and. Uh, Dave Franco or whatever his fuck his name is. It, I mean, it's it's okay. There's some funny lines and stuff, but it's like so been there, done that. Like, I'd rather watch a series of movies with Jamie Foxx and Snoop Dogg as vampire hunters. That'd be great. Like, that's a franchise I could get behind. That'd be I could cool. totally see that, too, because, like, Snoop Dogg is really good at making fun of himself. Like, mm-hmm. really good. Because of everything that goes on and all of the shows that he's been on and all the times he's, like, literally made fun of himself. He's really good. I could see him just, yeah, just being fun to work with. As in, like, you make a comedy where you don't take yourself seriously. Mm -hmm. I could see him just being like, "No, let me take all my flaws and just make fun of them." Yeah, and and I mean, he's he's dressed like a fucking cowboy for the most of the picture too. Like he's he's you know this very really cowboyish vampire hunter kind of thing, and yeah, it's good. Like, and it again, it it is like almost two hours. But it like it burns to those two hours so quick that you don't really notice it. So like that's probably the best thing I can say about the film, honestly. Like as, as much as I enjoyed parts of it and stuff, like the best thing is that it runs through its running time super quick because it is entertaining and it moves fast. Like there's no real slow parts or anything like that. So like it's worth it's worth checking out. It's one of those Netflix ones where it's like Oh, this is something new on Netflix. Maybe I should check it out. Maybe later. Nah, just go ahead. Like you know, have a you have a lazy Friday night, and you, you got nothing else to watch or whatever. Check it out. Get off work in the morning. Nothing else to watch. Check it out. It, it it'll burn through two hours really quick. So um, 
Day Shift's pretty good. Uh, the other one I'll mention, uh, this is on Shudder. It's called uh, Moloch. And this is sort of a folk horror film from uh, the Netherlands. It is using something, a cool little device that I, I really like, like, I, ever since I was a kid, I was kind of intrigued by like I'd see these in like National Geographic and, and stuff like that, like bog bodies, like the whole like people who died in like peat bogs and stuff, and their bodies are are preserved and like mummified, you know, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And so there's that in this movie where people are finding they're they're like finding these sort of bog bodies in this in this uh, peat bog. And there's this connection to kind of semi-legendary history in the local area. And there's all this sort of pagan god stuff going on and talk of a witch. And I don't want to spoil too much of it because I I found it pretty interesting. It was pretty well done. It does kind of rely on some wonky CGI in a couple parts where I I would have been better if, if it had never shown that shit. But it builds a really good mood and atmosphere where it... You know, it feels like this area is kind of around this house, this sort of peat bog around this house is being haunted by something. And there's a connection to the bodies in the peat bog. And like they discovered that like these bodies are not necessarily like super old, like most bog bodies you find are like, oh, this is someone from like the Bronze Age who died in the peat bog or whatever. No, these are like people who died in the last couple hundred years. So they're like, there's, there's a kind of a murder mystery aspect to it in a way. I found it pretty good. Uh, I, I think maybe it explains a little too much by the end, but minor complaint, you know, I'll, I'll take a, I'll take a decent folk horror film. Even if, even if it maybe tips a little too far into like explaining itself and kind of ruining a little bit of the atmosphere and mood by doing that. But pretty good stuff it's nice it sounds interesting mm. and um, it's got a very uh, feminist uh, kind of slant to it too okay like, well <laughs> that might be my kind of movie <laughs> <laughs> i throw that in there just just again I, although i i skip my agreements we've watched so much stuff together and yes. like when i watch movies i tend to like think like would you like this and then I just I, I think I think if your attention span, I'm like, maybe she probably might not be able to sit for this one. But. I appreciate that. Yeah. Does she have the attention span? <laughs> it's true, it, though. I have a terrible attention span. Yeah. Um, I know a lot of people can relate to that, too, because I know a lot of people out there have like a struggle because there's so many people who are like, you haven't seen this movie, I haven't seen that movie. I'm like, okay, yeah, because the runtime's like two, three hours long. Like, I can't do that. Like, it's mm-hmm. really hard for me to do that. And there are all these people who talk brag about all these fucking amazing movies. I'm like, Ugh! <laughs> there's a huge storyline, and I can't do it. It's not yeah. that I hate the movie. Like, there's a lot of movies that I really enjoy the acting, and I think there's movies out there that are fucking phenomenal. But if I can't stay focused, like, it's just shit to me. Because I, I can't stay focused. So I don't stay, pay attention to the story. I lose the whole plot line. I'll be watching. Like, there's times, too. Like, I literally be watching. And my brain will just shut off mm-hmm. as to what I'm watching and think about everything else in the world. Like, I know there's other people like that. Like, me. They're out, out there like me. So, yes. I have pity on all of you that struggle through that and that haven't seen a lot of movies. Because you know your brain won't fucking pay attention. That's um, that's that's why I never that's why I never showed you my uh, favorite movie of all time, and I actually did do like a movie 
night with a couple of our friends like a week ago or whatever for Sorcerer because oh. it's it's two hours long and I knew there's a storyline. No, no, I, 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 I just knew <laughs> that I just knew that you would probably conk out because it takes like a good half of the movie before it really starts getting super interesting like it's a super slow burn i think if there's like something that keeps my attention i can do it because i remember watching mm-hmm. the shining the shiny is kind of a slow burn as well that's true and i really enjoyed it like i watched it when i was younger and i like considering that my attention span was worse back then um i remember so many details of it because i loved it so much because it just captivated my attention right away with like a, the storyline itself but it really was focused on this one storyline that gave so much detail to it. So Mm -hmm. I felt like the storyline, instead of being kind of slow developed, it was slow, but with lots of details. And I think that's what helped me like stay focused. You know, someday we might, we might watch Sorcerer together and I'll just, you know, I'll try it. You'll know if I like lose focus, but okay. I totally forgot. Um, I also watched Jennifer's body finally. Oh oh, yeah. Yeah. That's when I made that joke the other day. Mm -hmm. Uh, okay, so first half of the movie is garbage. Uh, I think the second half of the movie is a lot more entertaining. Because mm-hmm. I find the first half of the movie, like, it really relies on the fact that Megan Fox is really hot. Yeah. And she's a beautiful woman. Like, I know people like to do the whole argument. Like, she's not that hot. Okay, no. She's fucking gorgeous. She's got a gorgeous body. I know she has the funny thumb. but Thumb like, thing, yeah. But everything else about her is just fucking stunning. Like, she's beautiful. She's gorgeous. She's got a gorgeous body. She's got a gorgeous face. She's got the fuck me eyes and lips and all that stuff. I'm very attracted to her. I think she's very attractive. Whatever. Fuck you, Lee. You know, she's not, you you know, she's not quite my type, but yeah. I get that because she's not a redhead. But, uh, not not even that. (laughs) I, I find her, I find her a little too conventionally hot. I, oh, I totally get that. I find conventionally hot very attractive. But, anyways. Um, no, I do find her attractive. I find a lot of people who are insulter. I don't understand. That's the thing. I don't understand this whole trope of like insulting somebody is attractive because she's attractive and being like, she's not that attractive. Like there's people out there that other people find attractive. I don't find attractive. Um, it doesn't bother me. I don't say anything because I don't give a Mm -hmm. fuck. Like maybe when I elementary school, because that's like literally embedded in like every fucking woman's brain is like, you're competing for looks. (sighs) But as an adult, as other people, just move on. If you don't find her attractive, move on. But you know they just used her body. You know she was attractive. You know people were trying to find new pictures of her back in the day. Oh, yeah. She, That's she the reason the hot, why they used her. She was the hot thing. I mean, Michael Bay had her in several of his films, like, just in slow-mo shots, you know, like, washing cars and stuff. Like, you know. Yeah, like, she's not anything special of an actor. Like, she's not bad. She's not good. Like, she's, she's in right. the middle ground. There's nothing amazing about her with her acting like mm-hmm. i saw her in uh, new girl and i thought she was fun because it was more like her playing herself which was fine it's a role I, that's I, somebody i I, f- I feel like in in the movie you're talking about the fact that she's a little bit cold as an actress actually really helps her in the second half of the film yes. where she makes the change right yes yes and that's that's the big thing like the second half is what was entertaining when she, you really truly start discovering her like thirst for people and mm-hmm. her use of um, her friend. Yeah. And oh my God, <laughs> that goddamn makeout scene is so fucking hot. Like, I don't care. They did mm-hmm. it so like, so like they went close 
like super close up shot to the mouths of the girls making out. And I'm like, okay, this is kind of perverted. This is a very perverted shot. Like this is not artistic. <laughs> this is perverted. Like I believe in the whole arts, like whatever, do what you want to do unless you're harming somebody. And in this case, it was very much like two attractive girls. I know they try to make, they always try to make her unattractive, but the girl's so beautiful. Oh yeah. What's um, her name? Uh, but yeah, she's, yeah, she's super hot. Um, she's like unconventionally hot. Like she's yeah. the kind of girl you're into. I know. I can't remember her name. Amanda. Amanda Seyfried. Amanda. Her name's Amanda. Amanda Seyfried. Yeah. Seyfried. That's yeah, yeah. it. So like the thing, I think the biggest thing that I don't like about that movie, honestly, and, and uh, you're right. Like the, the first half of it is kind of like, okay, where are we going somewhere? Stupid. Yeah. It's so bad. Here, here's the thing. I, uh, I'm, I'm trying to think of the name of the person who wrote the movie. She's famous for like writing like a certain type of dialogue and stuff. I fucking hate her writing. Like, I think, I think her fucking dialogue and stuff is, is garbage. Are you looking at it right now? Yeah, I'm looking it up. Diablo? Cody. Diablo Cody. Yeah. I fucking, I, I can't stand her writing. I think it's, I think it's super like stylized to the point where it's annoying and it's kind of pretentious. You know, I've only <laughs> seen, um, Juno. Juno. Yeah. I'm, I'm not a big fan of Juno either, honestly. Um, I'm not either. Uh, mm. I remember when I was younger and I watched it. Like I thought it was kind of this heartwarming movie, but when I watched, they kept watching it. Uh, I thought it was very insulting. Like I thought it was very insulting to women who girls, young girls, who seeked out abortions because they mm. had that one scene when she's getting to go to go get an abortion, and then they they give her like this guilt trip and she goes for it and falls for it. And then it's like, okay, it's all of a sudden better and healthier for it. Literally the person knows who writes this movie knows that there's a big impact. So there's a lot of girls who won't go get abortions because yeah. Um, it's a very, this, it's a very it's impactful. It's very wrong headed message. I think, but it's an impactful movie. It with is a wrong fucking message. And uh girls should be seen. Juno should have gotten the abortion. I know it will cut the movie short, but still they could have had the life of her afterwards dealing with it. Mm. Cause like, yeah, there's a lot of emotions uh, dealing with an abortion after you get the abortion. Um, so they could have went that direction instead of just going the, well, we'll find this lovely couple. And I understand the couple wasn't in love anymore, but the mother still wanted a child. That's great. You know how many often that you often oh, wow you know how often that happens to a fucking newborn child? Okay, cool. No. Um, not all the time. Yeah. What happens to the one child who? Oh shit! Sorry, we got to keep this child in the hospital for a week because there's a breathing problem. Oh shit! Sorry, we got to keep this child in the hospital for a week because it's like a premature. Oh shit! We got to keep this child in the hospital so you can't have it right away. So what do they right. do? They go on to the next child that's like, oh well, I want a newborn. Um, mm -hmm. <clears throat> it's like the puppies. Like if a puppy has like some sort of medical problem, like I don't want that one anymore. Yeah. Um, I hate to compare like infants to to. to animals but like that's reality of it. It, it it is reality of it like it, it as much as like you know these people are like oh we're so pro-life it's like no you're trivializing babies like they're fucking yeah if a, you want a, a commodity if you want to adopt adopt a child that's been born already not one that's about to be born yeah like please help alleviate the foster care system because it's like ridiculous like it, the story hasn't changed in the last 30 years. It's literally like there's foundations just to get uh, duffel bags so the kids don't have to carry their shit in plastic bags. Yeah. Like, that's how terrible it is. Um, and then movies like this, movies like Joan, Juno, like, put this, like, uh, light, this 
uh, beautifulness to keeping your child and adopting it to somebody who wants it. Fuck off. <laughs> and, <laughs> like, and hey, it's also, hey, also, it's a kind of a feel good, quirky comedy, yo. Yeah. Here, oh, I'm going to like put a, a, a thing out here. Um, anybody who has done that, uh, good on you. It's not easy to do. If you have an mm-hmm. unwanted pregnancy and you want to adopt your child, like you want to put your do- child up for adoption and you find a family. Oh my God. Fucking amazing on you. Thank you for doing that. Thank you for like uh, right. taking the time to find the right person, knowing full well you didn't want the child. Absolutely understand the decision you made. I have nothing against that. I just hate the idea of the promotion of it because there's a lot of times where there's people who cannot go through the pregnancy because they don't show afterwards when you adopt. Like I remember clearly um, there was a big thing, especially with like the whole Roe versus Wade thing. Wow, I said that wrong. Did I say it? I don't remember. No, it's it's Roe versus Wade. Yeah. Okay. She's had my a few mind, drinks tonight. My mind's we, going we both like a have. million miles a minute it's, right it's now. It's fine. But, well, especially with that going on, there's been a lot of, like, people coming out talking about what side they're on. Mm-hmm. And I saw this one woman who had, uh, had posted her story, and she talked about how she, first one, she aborted. And then the second time, she was too ashamed to get a second abortion, so she adopted. Right. And she said the adoption killed her more. Adoption was way harder because she was wondering if the child was okay. And even though like they have these rules and whatever the case may be, like it's still insanely mentally hard on someone to just carry the child for nine months and to give it to somebody else. Yeah. So this is what I'm saying. Anybody who has given their child up for adoption and has done that and believe that it was the best thing. Absolutely. That is your fucking mm-hmm. choice. Absolutely. Do it that way. You are right. I support you a thousand percent. I'm just saying this movie itself tries to glorify that choice and it's, it's not that glorified. Like it's not at all. Yeah. They did this thing, like, I know at the end they had them cuddling and crying because she didn't want to see the child, and I get that, but they didn't mm. show anything afterwards. They didn't show the fact that there's a lot of fucking mental health problems that come with giving away a child that you just gave away for six months, and they, or nine months, sorry, child cared for nine months, and then we're like, okay, bye. Yeah. Like, it's not that easy. The movie the movie had, like, I, I feel like the movie genuinely did have its heart and mind in the right place. It just didn't do it correctly and like it trivialized the thing it was trying to be sensitive about i think yeah it was the worst message to give to somebody the idea of uh, adopting the idea of keeping are totally fine are totally accepted it does not matter there's no mm-hmm. religious group that will uh, fucking haunt you down for adopting or keeping your child or putting your child for adoption or like keeping your child yeah. but you are like, I don't know if you've seen it recently, too. Like, there's these abortion clinics that are struggling to stay alive because of, like, Roe vs. Wade getting overturned. Mm-hmm. There's volunteers that literally stand outside with signs screaming at people because they're trying to prevent the Christian or the Catholic or the, the religious people from chasing or stopping cars and, like, bringing them to a van to say, like, to show them what an abortion actually is, which is a lot of false information. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, but the, the, the period of time to get an abortion is a lot shorter than people think. The only time when it's later on is for fucking medical reasons. Like, that's what people need to get over. Uh, the point has been made so many fucking times. I am not going to keep a child for six months and be like, ah, you know what, I want it out. Yeah, no, like, like and, and, and it's the, very... 1.1% very... of the time, that might happen maybe yeah. happen no the the reason they have legal abortions until birth uh, almost until birth like nine months in canada 
Mm-hmm. And in places in the states, it's literally because of medical problems. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. No, sorry, like, I'm so sensitive the, about this topic. I the, the the uh, so so called pro life people, they they are generally so dishonest in the tactics they use and the misinformation they use and the propaganda they use, and they they are just there. There might be some people who have like you know good intentions stuff in within like those groups, but the groups themselves are fucking pure evil like they're they're just they're just shitty people they literally and, collect them as they're about to go in like these people feel shame because mm-hmm. there's very rare you'll have a girl that goes in or a woman that goes in with the confidence that she's going to go have an abortion it, yeah. it very rarely happens like yeah absolutely there's gonna be that one person who's like yeah fuck this i'm getting an abortion and gets really cocky about it's it total total minority total minority it is literally than less than one percent because yeah. anybody i've ever talked to everyone i've many met anybody that like it's ever come across to me who's had an abortion is insanely secretive and when they do talk about they talk about the heartfelt hardship that they went through during the whole process the pro-choice people will literally grab them before they go in and stop these cars and like convince people to like keep their children by telling them how awful fucking human beings are and scolding them during like literally the probably one of the most difficult decisions they have to fucking make in their whole entire when they're, lives when they're at the most vulnerable like when they're like you know they're they're, they're sitting on the fence on this issue deciding if you want to keep yeah. a life that you're like in the process of creating is literally an insanely difficult decision to make mm-hmm. that's it and then to add this glorified idea that um adoption is going to be so beautiful where you like get to hang out with the family and the blah and mm. shit and then the again it, it, there's too much support for all of this shit literally just make a movie if you want to be a feminist if you want to be someone who supports females make a fucking movie where abortion this person goes to an abortion and like goes to the things that they go through to get the abortion right. and feel proud that they did it because the choice they made was right Yes, sorry, yeah. Vicky yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. That, that, that's our that's our political soapbox. For, well, one of them anyway for today. Maybe those, some stuff will come out in the movie that we talk about. I apologize. Um, <laughs> no, it's all right. It's all right. It's it's perfectly fine. So you want to play the uh, IMDb ratings <laughs> yes, game? Let's do it. Yeah, Thank let's you. do it. It's been a while. I was thinking about it the other day. So if people are not familiar, a few episodes back now, we played this a couple times. Uh, do you see that shared with you, Lee? Yes, I do. All right, cool. Uh, so this is from Statagories.com. Ooh. And this is the IMDb ratings game. There's also a box office one. The box office one, I feel, is a bit easier. Maybe um, for you. I, I literally don't pay attention to movies. Maybe I know, we'll do I'm that. in a movie podcast, and I don't pay yeah. attention to movies. Yeah, that's fine. Maybe maybe we'll do the box office one at some point. But uh, anime? Oh shit! <laughs> yeah, there's an anime one. I'm not even touching that one. Fuck that. I'm not a weed. Right. What are you talking about? Let's do uh, this. Yeah, we're gonna play this. So it, it gives you two movies. You try to decide which one has the higher critical score on IMDb from user ratings, and you just keep going. It keeps pairing, you know, up against other movies. If you if you get get it right, sometimes it keeps that one and pairs it up against a couple more movies as you go along. And you just try to get as many right as possible. So, uh, Lady Lee, I'll let you go first here, and I will, of course, oh, I'll tell. Scores one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I, I'll tell the people what the movies are, and then uh, let you pick. Okay, so yeah. here we go. So we have The Dark Knight Rises from 2012, or Train Spotting from 1996. I'm gonna say Train Spotting. Train Spotting. Oh, 
Okay. 8.1. Dark Knight ah! Rises, 8.3. Wow, that is close. But uh, all right, so I'm going to go now. Okay. So you tell the audience what's here. Really? Really? This is the first one you get. Okay, whatever. 12 Years a Slave, 2013, or the Emoji Movie, 2017. I don't even know what the fucking Emoji Movie is, but it sounds like it's crap. Uh, Well, we're going to go 12 Years a Slave, I think. We'll do that. 8.1, Emoji Movie, 3.2. What a disparity. Whatever. Okay. Oh my god. Are you fucking kidding me? Okay. 12 Years a Slave, 2013, or The Blair Witch Project, 1999. Okay, this one... This one could be difficult. I I, Uh, I admit that, but what movie are you comparing it to? Like, this is a pretty fucking epic movie. Blair Witch Project. Oh my god. You know what? I feel like... I feel like there's a backlash on Blair Witch Project, too. That's unfair. Yes. Yes. So I'm going with 12 Years a Slave. Yeah, see, six point five for Blair Witch. That is low. That is that's a bunch of people who didn't go get what the fucking movie was about. Are you fun, are, this is seriously your choices right now. Gone with the Wind, nineteen thirty nine, or Blair Witch Project, nineteen ninety nine. I'm uh, sorry, mine literally had a point two difference. Yours are literally like massively different. Frankly, Lee, I don't give a damn about your choices. There we go, eight point one. Yeah, that that was a given. We all knew this one. Oh, okay. Oh. No, no, because this is an older one. Oh, yeah, Gone this the is... Wind, 1939, Pirates of the Caribbean on Stranger's Tide, 2011. Oh, okay, yeah, so we're going to go Gone with the Wind again. Yeah, 6.6 for Stranger Tides. I literally would have had four if I had yours. Okay, this is a good one, because I yeah. don't know this one, because I think this got love-hate. So, uh, X-Men, Days of Future Past, 2014, or Pirates of the Caribbean, Stranger Tides, 2011. Mm. This, I remember this game getting, like... It was one of those ones that either people loved or hated. So this is going to be... uh, Days Days of Futures Past. Is that the one... No, no, there's X-Men Apocalypse. That's the really one. That's that's the one that everyone shit on. Um, You know what? I'm going to go Pirates of the Caribbean on this one. Oh, really? Yeah. Yes, I knew that one. Ah, so yeah, X-Men got eight. So there we go. All yeah, right. That one makes sense. I do remember that because I remember hearing some pretty good feedback and then I remember hearing some less than desirable feedback. But again, I think it was just bitterness because of like the previous X-Men movies. Yeah, but perhaps. Um, all right. Cool. Uh, <laughs> Whatever. We're, we're almost 40 minutes into this. We haven't even talked about the movie yet. So we're going to we're going to take a break. Uh, we're going to come back and talk about eating Raul and. I don't know about you, Lady Lee, but I think. We got this, man. We got this by the ass. You ungodly warlock. Hello, and welcome to Hello, This is the Doom Show. I'm Richard. And I hate the burning. Shh, who are you? Speak. <laughs> and I'm Brad. She came in and said, and he said, that's what I got. One is the Suspiria boner. The other is the Inferno boner. Anyway. <laughs> Which one is crying? <laughs> The boner of tears. <laughs> Hello, this is the Doomed Show. Is available on Hello Doomed Show. Automatic. Com and Doomed Moviethon. Com. Hello, hello. This is the Doomed Show. Richard, Brad, Jeffrey, Napa. It's the Doomed Show. Hello, hello. This 
This is the Doom Show Slashers, T.I. Low and Horror. You ungodly warlock. song mm-hmm. it's been stuck in my head before yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah i guess no this is the doom, the doom show. show yeah i, I get that uh, they, 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 have, <laughs> they have a, you weren't here and i'm just dancing to it like oh mm-hmm. my god i look like a crazy person yeah no they, they they have a new ad now but i refuse to play it because it's not as catchy even though like the reason they change is because one of the persons they mentioned in the in the original one is dead now but, but I, I don't give a shit. I don't care. <laughs> I don't care. I, I, I love Hello. This is a Doom show, and that is a catchy fucking tune. And I'm sorry they haven't they haven't topped that. I'm sorry. Condol- condolences to Arnafa, who is dead. But uh, uh, you know what? It's still a great song. You, you should have just maybe taken him out of the song and read it. I don't know. Or just keep it as a memory. Yeah, something like that. Tribute. Anyway, okay, Eating Raul from 1982, directed by Paul Bartel, and we do have a trailer, so we're going to get into that right now. Meet Paul and Mary Bland. You can live in the building. You would swing, right? Wrong. Good night. We're so lucky to have found each other. A typical American couple. I know. Good night, you. Sweet dreams. With a typical American dream. And typical American problems. Mr. Leach, I'm sure the bank has nothing to worry about. It's going to get everything that's coming to it. The bank wants to see what it's getting. (laughs) With the Blands, life was just a rat race. A cartoon mouth. Oh, great. Trigger likes you already. Oh, we like B&D, but we don't like s We met at the A&P. But they found a way to be. Until... Mr. Raul Mendoza, como esta usted? They met a hot-blooded, emotional, crazy Chicano. I'm a hot-blooded... Emotional crazy Chicano. Eating Raul. Is it a thriller? Is it a romance? It's very wrong. Is it a tragedy? Excuse me. May I sit down? Yes. Is it a comedy? Yes. But not the type you're used to. Eating Raul. Rated R. 
All right, Eating Raul, directed by Paul Bartel, written by Paul Bartel and Richard Blackburn, and this is a script that they've been trying had been trying to like. Uh, shop out for i think about six years or something before it was actually made and they kind of just decided we got to make it ourselves because no one no one else wanted to touch it really it's starring paul bertel as paul bland mary warnoff is mary bland and you know we've we've talked about both of these uh amazing actors producers directors writers etc 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 in the previous episodes uh, we got Robert Beltrain as Raul Mendoza, and people will know him from Night of the Comet, Lone Wolf McQuaid, probably best known these days as Chakotay in Star Trek Voyager. He's also in, uh, he, he kind of re- reunites with uh, Paul Bertel and Mary Warnoff in scenes from The Class Struggle in Beverly Hills later on. Another uh, Paul Bertel film. Uh, we got Susan Seiger here as Doris the Dominatrix, and also known as Nurse Sally Cummings. Her only other real notable credit is another uh, sort of Corman production here, Get Crazy. We got Hamilton Camp as John Peck as the dishonest wine buyer. And I only mention him because uh, this is just going back to the fact that I covered Meatballs 2 recently with Vaughn. He's in Meatballs too, as uh, <laughs> the as the bad guy in that film. Uh, we got Ed Begley Jr., of course, son of Ed Begley. Uh, he's done a million fucking things. He's the hippie in this. The uh, I'm trying to think what I recognize him from, and I was going through the movies, and I still mm-hmm. didn't recognize him. Okay, like, I so just... so let me let me go through a bit of his credits here. We'll talk about it. So he's he's in Cat People, which is a remake of Cat People. He's in Get Crazy. Uh, he's in Streets of Fire. His probably his biggest, his first like kind of breakout thing is Saint Elsewhere, the TV series. He's in that. Uh, he's in the Amazon Women on the Moon. Scenes from a Class Struggle in Beverly Hills. Recently in Better Call Saul, the series. But um, you, I'm kind of thinking you might know him from uh, Pineapple Express. No, no. Like I no. remember his face. I remember everything, and I'm like, I'm trying to remember what movie I saw him in. He, he's one of these guys. Like if you look at his IMDb, he's got like hundreds of credits. Like he's literally he's, he's a that guy actor, but he's not a that guy actor. Like he's not identified yeah. as that necessarily, but he's been in shit ton of stuff. But uh, you know, Pineapple Express. He's the uh, he's the dad of the, of the main chick in that, and it's like. Uh, I will fuck you in the streets. No, please don't fuck us anywhere. Literally, I don't know if you remember. Did you ever see Pineapple Express? I did see. I saw it in yeah. theaters. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, Ed Begley Jr. is in a ton, ton of stuff. Like he, he is very recognizable. And honestly, I'm, I'm with you. Like outside of Pineapple Express, I was like kind of struggling to think of what can I pin him down on until I looked at his IMDb kind of thing. Because I've just seen him in kind of everything. You know, he's, he's just kind of there all the time. He's done so much stuff. Like, even now, I'm looking through it, trying to see if I can find what I, I remember him in. Mm-hmm. Like, what was it? It really bugs me, because, like, I can remember his face. Yeah. And I remember his tone of voice. I remember everything, but I can't fucking remember. He's was it Veronica Mars? Might have been. I was watching Veronica Mars for a while, but I don't even think it was that. I think it was something earlier. He's in a million things. Uh, we got Don Steele as Howard Swine. He's the swinger party uh, host. Um, And, of course, we talked about Don Steele before. Uh, He was in Rock and Roll High School. Plays the same guy in every one of these Corbin productions. We got Edie McClurg as Susan. 
and she's the swinger in fur looking really good in this movie you most people kind of like recognize her as kind of more the the frumpy like middle-aged woman you know uh like she's been in carrie the secret of nim uh, ferris bueller's day off back to school planes trains and automobiles uh, i think you and i probably know her best from milvira mistress of the dark where she's she's in that right uh she's also a natural born killers of all things you know what like, oh my god pl- yeah playing it you know kind Fuck. of like a play a juxtaposition to her like her usual kind of character she plays kind of thing um but yeah you know edie mcclurg's greatness she just has like a bit part but uh she's she's really good in everything she does uh we got joe dante the director is uh bus boy of course, director of Piranha, uh, secret director of Rock and Roll High School, picking doing like pickup shots and stuff like that. Of course, he directed The Howling, Gremlins, Gremlins Two, The Burbs, lots of classic films. Right out of the uh, Roger Corman camp, uh, we got John Landis as the man who bumps into Mary at the bank. Great director, killed some people uh, under his watch. Uh, of course, he did Kentucky Fried Movie, National Lampoon's Animal House, Blues Brothers, American Werewolf in London. He directed the Michael Jackson thriller video, uh, Amazon Women on the Moon, and Coming to America. But, of course, most infamous with him is his segment in Twilight Zone, the movie, where he disregarded uh, union rules, and that led to the deaths of Vic Morrow and two child actors uh, due to uh, helicopter, basically, decapitation, evisceration, whatever it was an accident it was fucking horrific and it killed them and that's kind of like been a stain on his career ever since and also his son's a piece of shit um really yeah his son is a real rapey toxic piece of shit charles b griffith i don't know who he is in this film i did like even imdb is like question mark uh I, I didn't see him. I, I didn't recognize him, but he is incredibly prolific, mostly as a writer. He, he did do some directing. He directed uh, Eat My Dust, Up From the Depths, and uh, he wrote on It Conquered the World, Attack of the Crab Monsters, Not of This Earth, Bucket of Blood, Beast from the Haunted Cave, a Little Shop of, The Little Shop of Horrors, Death Race 2000, and The Wild Angels. So he did a lot of writing for Corman pictures. And I guess he just kind of like got dumped in this as a favor kind of thing. It's like, Hey, Charles, you want to like stand in on this for this part or whatever? Um, we have Wendy Bartell is woman in dog food commercial. <laughs> and, and she is the sister of Paul Bartell. She's also in death race, 2000 and cannonball to Bartell movies. And she was, uh, the s- secretary, I guess, to Brian De Palma when he was uh, filming Carrie. So uh, she has like a, I guess technically that's a production credit, something like that. So we have a synopsis here. The Blands, relatively boring and conservative Los Angeles couple, discover a bizarre, if not murderous way to get funding for opening a restaurant. When Paul enters his apartment to find Mary fighting off a swinger who has gotten into the wrong apartment and thinks Mary is just playing hard to get, he hits the man with a frying pan, killing him. Their dreams of running a small restaurant seem to be in jeopardy until they decide to dispose of the body, keep the wallet, and to advertise for other sexually liberal visitors who are then also killed, bagged, robbed, and disposed of. This goes along quite well until one of the to one night a burglar named Raul breaks in and cuts himself in for a piece of the action. And you know that, that's a good back of the box. Yep. Descript- I like that one. It doesn't yep. give away too much, but it gives you a kind of What's going on? Yeah. Um, yeah. 
I'll throw it to you first, uh, Lady Lee. Is, is this is a first time watch for you. This um, is a first time watch for me. Yeah. Okay. The only so reason I uh, wanted to do this one was because um, when you see Mary and her uh, like movies that she's done in the past, mm-hmm. um, I've noticed there was like softcore porn ones. So I was like, I'm going to check these out because mm-hmm. um, <laughs> of perv I am. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I get. It. I get. It. Um. So I was searching. Okay, so Paul Bartel, Bartel, um, he looks around. He's like the same height as Mary. Uh-huh. When he is about, what did I say? The Google. I think he was like five six, and she's five eleven. Yeah. So there's a, a, a pretty big height difference. Mm-hmm. So uh, I don't know what they did to make them look like they were equal height. Like, oh, he, I, he she was, still looked he, taller. But yeah, he he probably had lifts. Going on. Which is just so unfortunate because, like, she's such a tall, beautiful woman. Like, let her be tall. Because even the other guy, um, or Raul, mm-hmm. he's six feet. So he was only like just, mm, she's like 5'11 and something, and he's six feet. So they're barely an inch apart. And yeah. at one point, she's like wearing heels and she's taller than him. And like, it doesn't matter. Like, you just, I don't know. It just bugged me. That was just something small that bugged me. Mm-hmm. Um, because she is a tall woman, but she's got these long, gorgeous legs, and she's just so like beautiful to look at. I, I think I think you know, despite like the fact that they do like obviously Paul Bartel's probably like got some lifts going on, or he's standing on something in scenes with her. The movie doesn't hide the fact that she's in a, like she is all leg, like she is a very leggy woman, very yeah, but tall. I, I honestly would have loved to just have them show her be the tall woman. Mm-hmm. Like I just, I just want that to happen. I, I mean, I mean, honestly, watching it, I didn't, I didn't really pick up on that. Like, like I, it was more I, my I, curiosity, but mm-hmm. it's the realization that they did make him look taller than he actually was because right. he was like substantially shorter. He's about five inches shorter than her. Yeah, and it's, until you mention it, I honestly didn't like. It wasn't something that was connecting with me while watching the movie. Like, I always just. Like, I, I know Mary Warnoff is a tall, leggy, attractive woman. And, like, watching the movie myself, I'm just like, yeah, that, that's Mary Warnoff. She's like this Amazonian fucking hot woman who pulls off being like a, like she could be a dominatrix or whatever, you know, kind of thing. <laughs> like, so, yeah, I mean, but in, interesting you brought that up like you that it, you picked it's just that something yeah. it's just something small that bugged me it's uh mm-hmm. i think it's because i have a lot of tall female friends who are embarrassed to be so tall because like with tall women are not attractive and that's like a big reason is like a men who are shorter just don't want to be with taller women and like right. why the fuck not like like she's beautiful she's tall she's leggy like i love tall women i think tall women are so fucking gorgeous like it's totally yeah, my cake just- i think it's because i'm so short though just just yeah guys just consider you know just put your head between her legs and she wraps those fucking legs right around you you know come on yeah just just, i think it's i don't know it's it's also something that's been like pushed in by society with like yeah men are supposed to be taller women are supposed to be shorter it's a weird thing i honestly would have preferred had they did show the height because she was as much as she was being protected by she was the one who was kind of leading everything mm-hmm. so it would have been more fun to have her taller and it would have been fun to have paul bartello's actual height because yeah. then he was rescuing her and he was being somebody who being the man of the family at his height like i, I just think it was a missed opportunity to like really um spread a message without i i agree with that actually that's actually a really good point 
they they actually should have done what you're suggesting here. Yeah, because Raul was just like almost the same height, and he, there's never any time where he was taller than her, even with heels. Like he just allowed to be shorter one. And, and, and that work that works better too because. He was so seduced by her, and I love because yeah, and him if if he was like so much visibly taller than Paul Bartel too, like that helps with like the sexual threat that he sort yeah. of puts towards them as you know be, he becomes a wedge in their marriage. Yeah, and then at the yeah. end when they like reconcile and they rekindle the relationship, he's like, I don't care. It would have, mm-hmm. I don't know. I would have preferred it. I would have preferred like the, it would have taken away. I don't know. It, it just added so much more. But um, regardless of that. That was just mm. something I literally Googled. Because um, they I, they make such a cute duo. Like, every movie you mm-hmm. see them in, when they're, like, together, it's just funny. Like, they just have good chemistry together. I just wish he was comfortable with his height. <laughs> like, I get it, though. I get that there was a lot of um, implications of, like, being short and being a man of power and being all I, that kind of stuff. You know, I, I don't even know if it was that. I, I feel like... I, I feel like part of it is there. There was like a conscious, like awareness that uh, we're we're trying to make the, this couple like incredibly bland, incredibly like same, the same, like very equal in like how conservative and bland they are. Mm-hmm. And and if you put Mary Warnoff up against Paul Bartel, actual heights, it's like no. Barry Warnoff is this Amazonian fucking sex queen mm-hmm. who is like just you know fucking towering over Paul Bartel. It kind of fucks with your perception of things. I think I think the whole idea was probably to try to keep them both very much on the same level in in a sense. Maybe doesn't work a hundred percent, but I, I I don't I don't feel like it was you know. Paul Bartel's ego where it's like I need to be as tall as Mary or anything like I don't, I don't think it was like ego I just think it was more like the, the idea of like embarrassment because but you bring up a good point as well like it could just be like they were trying to seem like a normal regular couple yeah. so have them at the same height because realistically they did make Mary at one point Mary was taller than Paul like when you saw them eye to eye like she was taller because it, so, it's, it, it's not it's not believable necessarily like in the conventional sense that she would be anywhere like near this guy necessarily when you look at mary warnoff and it's like she's fucking hot like she she is fucking hot and she needs she obviously knows she's fucking hot like she she must know she's fucking hot and there's no way that she would actually be married to paul bartell like and and I'm just saying that, that that's in a like a, a societal conventional yeah, sense. Yeah, you know what? Yeah, you know, you make a really good point there. So it, it would be interesting for me to like pay attention because this is the only time I actually paid attention to it because they were like side, they were a couple this time. They were side by mm-hmm. side, not sitting in a chair, like doing right. a monologue that we never saw him again. Chopping <laughs> <laughs> mall. Um, but uh, it, I, I would be interested to see something where they're side by side again to see if they would actually because. Yeah, you just made a really good point that I didn't think of. Um, I think me was just me being my feminist bitter self uh, that brought that up. But um, I think, yeah, that might make sense. That would make sense. Mm. So, yeah, I'm going to go with that. I'm going to say that because Paul Bartel seems like a pretty cool person that he wouldn't give a fuck. But my thing was, too, was saying that there is that idea you're in this business and uh, men 
who like um yeah men who are shorter don't seem to have like the power in a sense Mm -hmm. and uh like we did a whole study about or sorry i read about a bunch of studies about it when i did environmental uh wait uh evolutionary psychology Mm-hmm. So I can see why when you're doing a movie that this was regarded during the process in order to like help him in his career, not to insult Mary, but to just help them each both out in a yeah. sense. So I could see that as well. Um, only cause like the movies he does, the topics that he covers, he just seems like a cooler kind of person than a person who's like, I'm going to be like, uh, what's his face? I was, I, I, I was about to say, like, yeah, Paul Bartel is not Tom Cruise. Like Tom Cruise, there you go. Yeah, you know, he he's not running around with lifts in his shoes or like standing on a fucking yeah, it could box, be, you know, when he's up against like the a female genuine, lead. Yeah, it could be like a genuine thing that you're saying that they were trying to make it seem like a like a couple, like mm-hmm. like he's uh, the less attractive while she's the more beautiful. So usually it's because they have like the guys got a big penis and he's tall. Like that's mm-hmm. kind of the the whole joke, right? The whole like. Stereotypical- I, I, I mean, I mean, in a sense, when you think about it, Mary Warnoff is kind of bad casting as the wife in a, in a way, like in a conventional sense, where it's like you're trying to like sell to the audience that these two would be together. It's you have to work really hard to make that work because Mary Warnoff is just like so, like she's a strong inc- woman, incredibly hot. And Paul Bertel is, you know, you this. Can see that she's just this, like, like I said, she's just a strong person. Like she's a strong mm-hmm. female. And you can see it, and anytime she acts, anytime she has done anything. But yeah, yeah. Sorry, just. just... Yeah, but uh, you know, in, any any other sort of like general thoughts before we move over to me or? Oh yes, yes. There's a lot. Sorry. Okay. I, yeah. Kind of went on that because we we're going on the height thing. That's fine. Um, uh, yeah. So that makes sense to me. I think that. Mm-hmm is what they tried to do. They tried to make the whole believability of like, why would this gorgeous woman marry this like unattractive guy? By the way, I'm sorry, but um, uh, I think Paul Bartel is like totally fucking adorable. Like he I was, remember seeing like the high, um, rock, rock and roll high school. school. Yeah. And I was like, Oh, he's kind of attractive. Cause he's got the beard, the bald head. He's a little bit burly. He's like totally my type, like mm-hmm. exactly what I go for. And, uh, yeah, women are attracted to that, but um, regardless, anyways, that's just a whole different tangent. The, what makes this movie is the chemistry between Paul and Mary, and I love mm-hmm. how they use their actual names. Holy fuck, their chemistry is phenomenal from beginning yeah. to end. When it becomes from the beginning where they show this love, from the middle where Mary has this like relationship role, to the end where Paul is like, no, no, I understand. Mm-hmm. And they like do whatever. And it's just, I don't know, the relationship is believable. They have this really good chemistry. They work so well together. Like, literally, they murder, like, when Mary's on the ground and he's like banging him, the guy with a cast iron. Yeah. I just like, are you killing him? You killed him. Like, just, <laughs> and your parents are just like, standing there. It was just so funny. And then afterwards, they're like, oh, there's money in the pocket. <laughs> they just have this idea mm-hmm. of like, murdering people because they're these terrible there's terrible people and i love it because like you know these like paul and mary as real people are probably sexual deviants well yeah they're they they're (laughs) they're the polar opposite of the people they encounter and kill because they're totally presented as asexual right like they're very 1950s separate bids kind of thing and the pjs that matched that covered everything 
Like um, and they and they sleep like Mary sleeps with stuffed animals. He he sleeps with this uh, side pillow, this pillow that's like shaped like a wine, wine bottle because you know he's into <laughs> wine, right? He's like very much into wine collecting and wine selling and yeah, it was yeah fucking hilarious. They had just the okay the the rape scenes were a little bit hard to watch, but I think they did them in a very tasteful way where. Uh, as she got attacked, the person got murdered or something happened to them. Mm -hmm. So I thought that was well done to kind of display their hate for these people Mm -hmm. without uh, really getting into a disgusting, like, hard to watch. Because there's a lot of movies where they have rape scenes where the rape scene feels very unnecessary. It's Mm -hmm. literally just to fulfill someone's fucking sick fantasy. (laughs) While these were, like, truly this every single time someone's tried to rape Mary something has happened right someone got murdered yeah someone got murdered someone got attacked like the one guy where they thought they murdered him he turned out to be alive which is hilarious because they knocked him on the head with the cast iron way more many times than everybody mm-hmm. else's one knock on the some, head yeah the some cast people iron. takes some people takes one bonk sometimes it takes a couple uh, and then the end like the fact that the whole movie it, like this movie is called eating raul and mm-hmm. the fact that the whole movie leads up to this actual point of why they call it this movie uh, it's kind of a giveaway, right? Like they, yeah. they probably should have called it something else, but you know. But it makes still. it so much funnier because as soon as you get to the end, you're like, oh. I get it now. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, a plus movie for me. Uh, I thought it was mm-hmm. quite entertaining. I thought, uh, the, like I said, the chemistry, the acting, everybody. I thought everybody was so good. Like mm-hmm. the overacting made sense when it came to like the fucking pervs. Uh, Mary and Paul just played the perfect married couple that just loved each other, but you knew they were like kind of having problems, but they still loved each other. Um, but they they're understood per- each other. They're 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 like. They're partners, right? Like they're, yeah. they are like hundred percent partners. They have their best interests in each other's minds. Yeah. When when it comes to the stuff they do. Yeah, and uh, I I love at the end Mary like seduces Raúl, be like I can't find it, mm-hmm. and they get with Casa. Oh, amazing. Um, Raúl did such a good job. He's at, great like, too. Yeah, like he he he, 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 he acts is, okay. outside of being just like a stereotype. He was such a seducer. Like those mm-hmm. parts with him and Mary were fucking hot. They were sexy, like, right? Yeah. Oh, when he's putting oh, the like mo- when he's a- put- when he's laying the money down on her naked torso, you know, yeah. basically, yeah. yeah, yeah. That's 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 where I was looking for my vibrator. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, that's what I wanted to bring up. So yeah, beginning scene or one of the scenes where he's in the sex shop asking for the vibrator. And he's like, "You need lube for this. You need lube for this vibrator, um, unless it goes into your asshole." You relatively don't need lube because women are naturally lubricated. But the problem really? is, yeah, yeah. But the problem is, you wouldn't put that in an asshole because there's no base. You need a base for a dildo that's going into your ass because you could get it lost inside of you. Hence mm-hmm. those fucking crazy pictures you see with like people with tongs and shit that get stuck and all that sort of stuff. Oh, yeah. Because yeah, yeah. there's no end to your asshole there's an end to your vagina you can't well, stick anything the- too far into your vagina because it stops your cervix is like nope this is the end but your asshole is like yes come to me <laughs> so- <laughs> uh, but there so the, so there was the dildo that was the alien that was the big one mm-hmm. that one with the balls had the base right yeah you could put yeah. that in your asshole unless you shove the balls into your asshole that's a different story well no. if you're that if you've gaped that much, you probably have the experience where you should know better at that point, right? Yeah, but even then, you still have to put it in because, like, your asshole will slowly, like, tighten up anyway. So anything right. with a base will stop it. So, 
Um, that's why I laugh when the guy was like, you need lube for that dildo. I'm like, no, that dildo is designed for vagina. And most of the time, unless it's an older woman or possibly a woman who does have travel lubricating, does not need lubricant. So that's that is your that fact. is your that is your sex ed lesson for tonight, ladies yes. and gentlemen. Yes. Yeah. Uh, many, 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 many women um, are naturally lubricated. It is smart to use lubricant, though, because uh, some don't get uh, lubricated enough. But when the guy said you absolutely had to, no, you don't. You can usually in a lot of women's cases, you can usually just spit on it because a natural lubricant of a female's vagina, you can usually get away with that. But uh, having a lubricant is better and is mm-hmm. safer because then you don't have to worry about uh, making sure that she does stay moist. But right. you don't have to have lubricant. Here you go. Uh, for me, I love this film. Uh, I'm, I'm right with you on this. Like, basically, you know, like, fucking top shelf. This is this is fucking great. Um, so much fucking fun. It is. <laughs> like, it is. And it's um, so casual, too. Like, that, when they get into it, how they thought of it. Here, here's here's the thing. Like, I, I look at this as like a John Waters movie with a bit more money, but very toned down, very very toned down and mannered, touching on the same subject matter that John Waters would touch on. Like, you could see John Waters making a movie like this mm-hmm. about the same subject, right? But he would go to the extreme. So, like the opening swinger who gets into her, their apartment mistakenly and tries to rape Mary, Paul Bertel punches him in the fucking stomach and he throws up. Right? John Waters would have shown the vomit. Mm-hmm. He would have he would have showed the the swinger vomit. He would have we when we f- go back to the swinger in the bathroom who m- may or may not have drowned in the toilet and we discover he hasn't. But we would have seen like him, his face in the toilet. There might have been like a turd floating in the toilet. There'd be vomit in the toilet. Paul Bartel is like, no, I'm above that. I'm trying to make this more mannered. I'm trying to like the, the performance between Bartel and, and Warnoff. They're very mannered. They're very like flat and straight in their performance. It's so good. They're such yeah. good actors. Mm hmm. Because it bounces off the people they they run into, right? So mm-hmm. like, th- so this is a send up of like typical conservative ideals of the time. Like there there are a couple who are very much like leave it to Beaver conservative people, mm-hmm. but also they're upper class conservative people in a way because they think of themselves in a, like a higher station than where they they are. Like they're just like two people who are living paycheck to paycheck basically in this shitty LA motel but they want to be something else like they want to be high society like Paul Bartel's character he's a he's a wine snob and like he he you can tell he genuinely believes that he's better than anyone everyone else like he obviously like really thinks it but it's showing how twisted and corrupt their own morals can be to meet like a bottom line of this oh my like God. this capitalist idea of like starting their own business and like it's a literal you, you say like the capitalist meat grinder where people are just commodities and stuff like there's a literal depiction of that where they're actually like grinding up people for dog food because you know hey we got to get rid of the, yeah. yeah we got to get rid of the bodies so, so it's it's interesting that the way this is done, like if this movie has a fault and I don't really think it's a fault, but it might be, it just might be my misinterpretation of this. I think the movie fails to present us with any sort of necessarily sympathetic liberal characters outside of like the dominatrix. Yep. Um, I do agree. Okay. I do. I do see. This is where I saw it. It was, um, it was their hate 
for the the sex addict. The 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 kinky swingers who have like all the money and all the status. Yeah, it was them that they hated so much that they felt like murdering them was okay. Mm -hmm. So it for me was this thing of saying like, holy fuck, hold on a second, you're murdering people for being horny. And taking their money. So mm-hmm. while I understand there was no real birth sense, I see it as a like, you guys are actually huge pieces of shit that we like kind of love. And yeah. totally are the opposite of like what we believe in what you're saying. But it's a hilarious movie and the way they did it. But see. it's a, uh, it's a very um, reverse thing. Like it's kind of showing like the pieces of shit that like, st- like uh, stomp all over everybody else to get somewhere. Like they don't see. give a fuck. Yeah, yeah. See, like I, I feel like that, that might be the intended subversion of this. So we identify with Paul and Mary because even though really they're just these totally amoral, murderous people who are looking to get ahead by, you know, just killing people and stealing their money, they're much more nice and uh, relatable than these just off the wall, crazy fucking sex fiends who are uh, like the worst nightmare of conservatives, you know, saying like, oh, liberals are all degenerates and stuff. These are the kind of people they think of when they say that kind of thing. And it's a caricature of those sort of people. And uh, But at the same time, I feel like there's a criticism of the excesses of the sort of swinger movement, the, the sort of sexual mo- revolution of the 60s and 70s. I don't know if the movie necessarily sticks that point a hundred percent. I feel like Paul Bartel's like reaching at the idea that when you look at all these uh, swingers and stuff and when it comes to their kinks and stuff and you know how um, Paul and Mary, like they start this, Oh, we're the, this kinky couple who will like uh, fulfill your desires. So come to our apartment and then they kill them. All the fucking kinks and desires that are presented in this film, they all feel like, male-centric chauvinistic fantasies and desires, right? So, like, I feel like Paul Bartel might be commenting on how, like, a lot of the sexual revolution ended up just being a bunch of straight white dudes with their sexual kinks, and it was, like, fulfilling that, and it wasn't about feminism or, like, you know, sexual emancipation of women yeah. to, to for the most part. And then, and then I think also Doris the uh, Dominatrix is a counterpoint to that, like making a point of that where she is a very enlightened look at sex work at yeah. the time. Very yeah. progressive, at, especially for 1982. And she fe- and she feels like the only like actual liberal character is presented in a good light in this film where she's like, yeah, I, you know, I do this stuff and some of these people are fucked up. But I do it for money. And like, you know, you see scenes, scenes of her domestically, you know, in her house with her kid. And she's feeding her kid and talking to Paul Bartel or whatever. Yeah. She has her husband who's this military dude who had some friends over the other night. Sorry for the mess or whatever, you know, kind of thing. Um, But she's very matter of fact about it. But she puts on, you know. She's kind of um, also the person who earns her money. Mm -hmm. And she's a very kind person, too, versus like Paul and Mary are these honestly shitty people like they're very shitty people because like as much as it sucks that uh, uh, i'm a little bitter on the people who try to like rape and nothing happens to them but uh other than that like other people who do show up and just have their kinks um there's nothing wrong with them 
and they just yeah, murder yeah. them for their money. So it just shows like the coldness of them. Like there's very cold. That that's that's the thing. Like so, we do have some parts where uh, people show up and they have kinks and they get killed, and you don't necessarily know if they're bad people or not. Like there, there's definitely people who show up and they're like they're obviously shitty people. It's like, like a Nazi. yeah, <laughs> yeah, like the Nazi. They show up and it's like yes, Paul Bartel and Mary Warnoff kill these fuckers. But then you have these one-off jokes where it's like they kill them and you don't know if they're bad people or not. Some of the jokes are, you know, like the, the doctor that they kill or whatever. was yeah. like, well, the stuff he was doing, he was going to die anyway, you know, or whatever, you know, hand me the scalpel, hand me the thing, hand me the frying pan, boom. It's just like a really quick one-off joke. And yeah, that, that could have been fleshed out better. I feel like instead of necessarily getting 100% like just joke after joke after joke, they p- could have just focused on like a like you know like 10 perverts that they kill and that they're they're really bad people i would have liked had they did really focus on the idea that uh mary and paul were the ideal perfect couple mm-hmm. and but they end up getting caught at the end i think i would have preferred yeah. that because that even though it's like really funny it just then when they get caught and be like oh but they were terrible people it just shows you like the shittiness that they actually were because realistically like i said they're really shitty people they are really mm-hmm. shitty people like anybody who could just kill somebody i don't care if you're a racist or whatever like these are still people as much as i would like to anyways yeah yeah <laughs> um i'm still not gonna do it because there's a lot of ethical reasons behind it right you you you, you sure you don't want to you know put an ad in the paper <laughs> i will i will uh, appeal to your sexual desires and then clunk you in the head with a cast iron well I'll, I'll be the guy in the fucking mask who clunks them in the head my cast iron's right on the stove right now it's right there yeah i i've, I've got the uh, i've got the paul bartell physicality i, I can <laughs> i can i can pull that off i'm not i'm not tall like mary though i'm i'm literally a foot shorter than mary <laughs> doesn't matter <laughs> believe me it doesn't matter you know it doesn't matter. Um, but anyway. Yeah, anyway. Um, uh, yeah, I would have liked if they got caught because then it would have, I think it would have like pushed their message a little bit more. Because mm-hmm. uh, the problem is like, especially Paul and Mary, they're both like openly sexual people. Like they, they literally look at the movies that they do. Mm-hmm. Um, it kind of takes away from them uh, what they do and how they like promote it. I understand this is a dark comedy and was joking. So for us, we can see it. We can joke about it. But mm-hmm. unfortunately, when it comes to like the power that you have, uh, I just feel like you need to use it wisely. And that's just, that's just me nitpicking though. Cause mm-hmm. honestly, I fucking love this movie. I give it, like I said, I give it an A plus it's what it's the first time in a long time where I've literally sat down from beginning to end, been able to stay focused and just fucking love it nice. and just laugh at it. Uh, I'm absolutely obsessed. I highly recommend it. So yeah, my that tiny critique is not something that is um, a big in any way, shape, or form. Like that mm-hmm. would be one of those things where if I were to to rate something, I wouldn't take it out of mark for it. I would just be like, in the side note, like yeah, it's, yeah. it's just uh, like we were talking earlier about the woman who tried to like talk feminist. She's trying to make a powerful movie where this is just mocking. So it's a very mm. different situation. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, this this is fucking great. I mean, it's got so many good little gags and bits in it. One thing I, I want to mention that I think is just like a little good piece of filmmaking, too, on Paul Bartel's part. Like, so a lot, a lot of this is just kind of very, yeah, anyone could shoot this, right, kind of thing, where it's like, you know, it almost feels like a, a sitcom at, at points where, you know, it's so flat. There, there's this part where, you know, Raul starts getting in his mind that's like, I got to kill Paul. 
Yeah. So I can so I can take Mary as my own. You know, he his own chauvinism throat comes yeah. through where it's like where it's like you know I'm gonna make her my wife and she's gonna have my children. Yeah. And, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, wait, uh, you went to like the really sexy like seducer to like you're gonna have my babies. Yeah. <laughs> you know. <laughs> But, you know, so he he tries to do a hit and run on him. He misses the first time. He comes back, tries the second time, hits the car door of Paul's car and takes that off. And then, you know, he takes off. Um, so Paul s- immediately suspects because he's not stupid. He's like, that's Raul trying to kill me because he's fucking my wife. He already knew he was fucking his wife. So he's like, you know what? I'm going to fucking I'm going to follow him around, f- see what his routine is. And I'm going to hunt him down. And then I'm going to get Doris the dominatrix to help me out to try, like, like spook him and scare him off and shit. Cool thing when he's starting to hunt him down. So Paul drives a white car and the door that gets taken off is the driver's door. Uh, we see Raul's van, and it's one of those things where it's got the wrong door, like it's the wrong color door. You know, it's a, like oh, we we put a new door in his fucking car in his van or whatever, mm-hmm. same color, and it's like a signifier. I feel that like yes, indeed, Raul is the guy who tried to kill you. Like I, I feel like it's just a little kind of visual hint to the viewer, kind of thing. That's like hilarious. yes, that, indeed, that's the guy who did it. It was like oh, Paul Bartel. Very well done, sir. Like, that's just a nice little subtle uh, thing you threw in there. It's just a good movie. Like, I find mm-hmm. I find the acting... Like, that's a big thing for me. The acting, like, this is a B movie. This is, like, a dark mm-hmm. comedy. This is everything. It's way better than, like, in acting than a lot of A-listers I've seen that are fucking famous, like, beyond belief. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, this is... Their reactions and everything, like, obviously there's some of it that's a little bit cheesy, but it's also, like, an 80s movie, so that's natural. Everybody brings it. Like, uh, there's James Bond movies where the acting's, like, fucking atrocious in those 80s movies. And and 2000s, like, literally, and these are fucking A-lister making, like, millions of dollars, versus this movie where I found, yeah, sometimes you could totally see the cheesiness, but... These people are not getting paid nearly as much or have nearly as much experience, like, Mm -hmm. in fucking like high-end shit with all the fucking training they could get and they do such a goddamn good job like oh yeah Paul, mary and raul all three of them have this fucking awesome chemistry mm-hmm. the battle between paul and raul is fucking awesome the relationship that mary has between both of them is awesome as well and even the dominatrix on the side like she's so fucking adorable she's great yeah like when she's playing all her different parts and like trying to catch him like all the different parts were super cheesy and perfectly well done like it's perfectly done for the movie itself um and then her part where she's like very pro sex worker and uh, Mm. you just loved her but oh i loved it i love this movie from beginning to end like i just thought it was great yeah the whole cast they know what movies they're in and and like they all in a certain tone that works really well and like you know it's basically the whole cast like bouncing off paul and mary too who are you know playing this as like this very conservative straight couple and you know mary kind of like flips a little bit into the you know her sexuality starts to open up you know kind of thing with with Raul. <laughs> yeah, and like, yeah you know, she's like starting to open up with the idea that like, but she's still but but she still believes in her marriage too and she's yeah. still you know with with paul so but, <clears throat> uh it's it's a great fucking film. Like if you haven't seen it, you need to see it. it Paul Bertel, it's it's kind of the movie people know when they think of Paul Bertel. Like yeah, he he's directed a couple things that are like super famous that are like out of the Corman side of things. This is kind of his own thing, and it's great. It's it's a fun little slice of 
1980s comedy and it's um it's fine what this movie was 1982 82 yeah okay and less than this was 1984 and i found he did a much better job with this movie than he did mm-hmm. less in the dust yeah don't get me wrong i loved less in the dust mm-hmm. i just found there was uh trying too hard like they had this idea right. and they tried too hard with it uh, a lot of it was really good but there was just too much added to it versus I, I, I feel like there was just this perfect amount of like uh, a, like there was this action bit there was a story bit there was um, little goofy parts there was like s- little more sensitive parts and I thought it was very well like placed out throughout the whole thing just just a lot of really sexy stuff too with yeah yeah, yeah. and I think they they managed to, to cut off the fat where it needed to be versus mm-hmm. less to the dust it was like they tried to do too much they tried mm-hmm. to be like let's get all of our favorite people and make this movie which I totally get because I see that he loves the people that he works with because he works right. with them multiple times but <laughs> but you could tell that it just becomes like convoluted and just too much yeah, no, you're 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 100 right. The thing about this too is this is kind of the movie Paul Bertel definitely wanted to make. Like again, again, he was shipping. He you know he was trying to like sell this for like six years to people, and then like no one wanted to do it. So he finally got to the point where he could make it himself, and he did. And that and that's that's the end of the story there. Like Less Than a Dust is not the same story. Less Than Dust is like oh yeah, you know. Paul Bertel, who made Eating Raul, he, he can now make other movies because this was a success. And so, you know, he makes less than us. He makes other stuff. I think a couple, a couple of the Corman stuff he did is probably his most successful endeavors. Like, I think Death Race 2000 might be the most successful thing he was behind. But that's beside the point. This is more of a passion project kind of thing, obviously. So, um, you know, he, he, he gets like the, the political and social points he wants to talk about. Like he he really sticks them in this and yeah it works it works. Budget for this was three hundred fifty thousand dollars and it made a box office of one point one million. So that's a really good return for a low budget film, especially in nineteen eighty two. Uh, and it probably made even more money after that is as far as like home video releases and stuff like that. A little bit of trivia here. Uh, the budget was so low they cannot afford to mock up an ad printed in a fake newspaper for the Bland Swinger advertisements. So production designer Robert Schollenberg instead designed an ad and ran it in the L.A. Weekly, an actual alternative newspaper. Uh, unlike the vast numbers of replies the Blands got in the movie, the real ad attracted only one response. <laughs> that's hilarious. Yeah, that's. I thought that was great. Sorry, just just a little thing. I think because mm-hmm. they put money into that, and they're like, you "Want to see the ad? Check out the ad. Mm-hmm. Look at the ad, guys. We have an ad." So yep. that that just makes me laugh. That that makes more sense now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's great. Uh, yeah, and, and you know, it's very kind of cheesy too. Like you know, Paul with that like really bad like mask on and shit and. <laughs> it's, it's pretty it's pretty spot on though it's, it, it feels really authentic uh, production began in the spring of 1980 was not completed until February 1982 according to uh, Issa Club's 10 Things I Learned Eating Raul web pages the film was shot on multiple stocks caged from a variety of sources much of it was shot on donated short ends short unused portions of unexposed film some of the longer films of stock were given to the production had given to the production had been rejected by the donors because of noticeable mold growth on the cans that held it. Uh, so they were just basically shooting this on any kind of like film they could get it on. Because back in the day, film was super expensive. Like that mm-hmm. was a big part of your budget. 
So if you if you could get like sh- you know short ends, which was just like cut off film that was unused and stuff like that, and 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 do that, that was like a really good way to do it as an independent filmmaker. Uh, the team shot the film and then crossed their fingers and delivered it to the developing lab. Uh, shooting only took twenty two days, but it was shot over the course of a year. Okay, so, yeah. Yeah, sense. so yeah, so they were coming back back and forth to this. Uh, but yeah. Um, the never made sequel to this movie was going to be called Bland Ambition. Paul Bertel, yeah, this is good. Paul Bertel once said it was uh, Paul and Mary uh, happily ensconced in their country kitchen where they're doing a land office business. Uh, the arrogant young governor of California stops off to have lunch and is furious. He is not recognized or permitted to jump the line. In retaliation, he sends a health inspector to close down the country kitchen. And Paul and Mary are encouraged by the media to retaliate in kind and run against him for governor of California. Sounds like oh. not a lot of murders in that. I, I I want a movie where they're still killing people. Honestly, like if if they if they said like they have to kill people, you know, to win the election, then all right. In order to prove their family lit image for their political sitcom, they secretly adopt a little girl who turns out to be just the right sort of bad seed. It was a 10 days away from production in 1989 when financer Vestron pulled out, halting the production uh, and replacement financing could not be raised. So it just kind of, kind of died on the vine kind of thing. And like Paul Bartel was, you know, not, not necessarily like uh, getting studios looking at him like, Hey, let's make a movie in 1989 necessarily kind of thing. So, yeah, but you know, that's the way with a lot of like independent filmmakers too. Like you, there's a lot of amazing ideas out there. There's a lot of like really cool movies, but unfortunately, like if you don't have the star power, the the finances mind it. You're fucked. Mm, yeah, but you know, honestly, I I don't know if like you know a sequel like almost you know like six seven years down the road necessarily. Do we need it necessarily? Like I I kind of feel like this is a perfect little movie in its in itself as much as i like this okay um oddly enough this reminds me of house of a thousand corpses okay where okay only because the uh, same idea where it's like a group of people who murder a bunch of people get away with it and then they tried to make the sequel which mm-hmm. was a little rough around the corners whatever and then they made the third one, which is really it was just absolutely terrible. This yeah. is what it kind of makes me think of like this movie itself on its own, as much as you could make like another movie with it. I think it would end up in that this is a movie where they got caught mm-hmm. and it was just this over exaggeration, stupidity. Like the idea is we saw the first one. I would say like what? What's it called? The the porn, the, the murder, not the porn, the torture porn. Yeah. The House of Thousand Corpses kind of yeah. like it touches on that a little bit. Yeah. yeah, it was kind of like an introduction to it, like, <clears throat> like mainstream-wise. Because mm-hmm. obviously I know there was, like, other shit back in the day, but, like, anybody who's just a casual movie watcher um, doesn't really know anything, like, underrated or whatever, different country or anything like that, uh, kind of saw that, and that was, like, the touch of it. And this is the same with, like, this Prabhu Hotel movie, like, the way they touch it. It's this dark comedy on a topic that, like, not really touched as much, kind of touched as much, but, like, whatever mm-hmm. the case may be. Because <clears throat> this is, like you said, it was the one movie that kind of made him more known. Mm-hmm. And then you go into the second movie that they did, which is Devil's Rejects, which um, was mediocre. 
Yeah. There was parts um, I, I, I don't I, I don't disagree there, but yeah, keep going. <coughs> Are you saying it's good or bad? I'm saying it's way better than Host of Thousand Corpses, but uh mm. but keep okay. going. Okay. Okay. Um it might be a while since I've watched it, but <laughs> I could have a different opinion now. Maybe I should just rewatch it. Because I think I watched it uh when it first came out, so I can't remember what year that was. Feels feels like we need to do a podcast on it at some point. Okay, I'd be down for it. I'd be down for a rewatch. I haven't seen it since. Um, I think I had a bitterness towards it. Because <clears throat> mm-hmm. <clears throat> I just have a bitter... I had a massive bitterness to a lot of horror movies back in the day, so I would love to rewatch it. But one of those things didn't catch up as much as like House of a Thousand Corpses. I, and you know what? I should just like not even say this because I don't even know. I just think, in my opinion, that's how I felt. First mm-hmm. and second, kind of unique, kind of their own thing. And then they decided to just push it with the third one. The yeah, third yeah. one was so shitty and so garbagey, and like mm-hmm. it's the same idea of like these people, this group of people who just murder people. Yeah. And um, have fun doing it and get like a gain out of it. And uh, the third one literally is just this garbage and that's how Mm -hmm. i feel like if he would have went with the second one he would have tried too hard to keep that like feeling of the first one that it would just been a hot mess like it would have been like Mm -hmm. uh trying too hard to try and keep that same and it's a lot of like movies that like uh when they do the second story unfortunately i gave like the worst example but um there's others out there that are way better than that uh where the second movie is just heart fucking garbage like as literally Mm -hmm. they just shouldn't have bothered like i don't know even understand why they tried right yeah no i mean eating rebel eating rebel did not need a sequel um i like the idea more of the blands just showing up in other movies like that's much more fun i would I, i would say take away everything whatever, just the Blands themselves, that couple, the, their relationship, um, kind of like the adventure of. Uh, that's mm-hmm. how I see it as, versus like a sequel of the first one. Because if they're not even going to play the fact that there's murders and them collecting money, then there's no point of it. But if they did a totally different story that was like mm-hmm. the story of, I'd be cool with that. Yeah, no. That... I apologize. I'm like dying right now. <laughs> it's fine. She has some bad pasta folk. Well, not bad pasta. She's having a bad reaction to spice from the pasta. No, it's not that. I just had like something go down the wrong hole. Yeah, uh, yeah. <clears throat> She's got oregano in her lungs right now. Yeah, uh, it was just just one of those things where like I, it's probably happened to you where like you're eating something with anything, like any sort of spice or whatever, mm-hmm. and there's something like on your tongue that's left over, and then you breathe in, and it just like goes in. Yep. Yep. Yeah, that's literally just what happened to me. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> Uh, but yeah, uh, not sure what we're doing next. Uh, they're possibly Predator. Possibly Predator. See what Daniel... I was, I was talking to Daniel this week. He's like, yeah, I'm sorry. I got you know caught up with other shit I was doing, and we couldn't do it this week. So uh, maybe maybe it's going to be Predator. If not, well, maybe we'll do some like... Um, I don't know. We, we talked about doing some like Kung Fu nonsense. We might do some Kung Fu nonsense. Oh my god, could you shale in soccer? We could do shell and soccer, yeah. Okay. I think we should do that one, because that one is a very ridiculous one that I would love to talk about. I haven't seen you, it since high school. Do you do you still have access to the master movie list on Google Docs? I'd have to find it, but yeah. Do I, have to, do I have to reshare that to you, maybe? Maybe. Because you, I, w- I was actively encouraging you to just add movies to it. You know? I did add movies to it. Okay, well, you need to keep doing it. Okay. But there's so many movies on there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, but you know, just you know, add movies and then tell me. By the way, I added this. 
So, you know. I did. Every time I added something, I'm like, hey, we should do this. You're like, add it to the list. Like, I add it to the list. Oh, okay. <clears throat> All right. I know I just forgot about doing it. I just tell you, like, we should do this. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's fine. <laughs> but yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll come up with something next time. Who, know, who, the, who the fuck knows? Uh, I, I still have some, like, special guests in mind for, for some episodes. Try, I'm trying to, like, you know, curate, like, Oh yeah, I, I can bring back this person, this person, and they'd and love to do this. And we're supposed to be doing movie. Tommy on somebody else's show. Yeah, they'll they'll get around to it. Uh, the 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 grind bin takes their time when it comes to shit, and also you know we'll we'll do Tommy on the grind bin, and then I won't show up for like two months. But you know that, that's just the way they shoot. It doesn't. We should just do. Tommy, we should do Tommy. <sighs> we, already Tommy. we are already did Tommy. We are. Okay, I didn't do Tommy, and I'm way okay. more interesting. We could do like a side series on this podcast where you go back into movies we've already done and where I basically just sit there and listen to you talk about it and like ask <laughs> you what you think. That that might be a possibility. We could do that on intermission episodes, honestly. I'd be down. You know, yeah. Well we'll 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 think about that. We'll talk about that. We'll we'll see what we do. I have a lot to say about that movie and I think it's just gonna be un whoever doesn't tap into me is going to be missing out. That's all I got to say. Well, um, Mike Mike Wood from Grindman already said, when we do Tommy, you're on. So that's already set in stone. Okay. Then I'll be patient, but. <laughs> and you got to, you, and you, you, you know, you got to like, uh, mass the cool stories from your dad. Yeah. 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 So that'll be yeah. good. Uh, but yeah, we, we don't know what we're doing, but, uh, Lady Lee, tell people where they can find you on the interwebs. Uh, so I'm going to um, slightly skew for my normal because okay. I do want to promote um, my dad's page right now. Okay. So uh, Bob Hardy, the Walker Runner dot com. For those of you who don't know, my dad is a leukemia survivor who had a lot of health complications over the years. Where like so when my dad and I were younger, we used to jujitsu together, we used to play soccer together, we used to do all sorts mm -hmm. of stuff. Then when he got leukemia. Um, that causes some problems. So he did the uh, jujitsu with me for a while, but then needed a hip replacement. And then he was worried about breaking the new hip. So he got into bike racing. So my dad and I got into bike racing. And then um, later on, after I moved out, moved to North Bay, uh, my dad got a blood clot. Um, mm. And the surgery caused him to... I'm not exactly sure. Um, I heard different things, but unfortunately, like it's one of those things that... Uh, you get different medical answers over the year. But mm -hmm. uh, anyways, either way, um, my dad had a surgery that affected the equilibrium part of his brain. So he's unable to walk without a walker. He's doing better. Like certain days he does better where he can, but anytime he does anything when it comes to running or moving quickly, he needs a walker. Mm -hmm. So he decided to race his walker. And my dad has been doing marathons with his walker. Yeah. And in October, I'm going to be doing a walk, uh, a marathon with my dad. So I wanted to just kind of put that out there so people mm -hmm. kind of knew my dad's story and the fact that I'm going to be a part of it, too. So that's kind of really cool. Haven't done a race or anything with my dad since I was like 19. Wow. So very excited about that. Very excited to show it or sorry, share it. Um, so, yeah, you can find him on YouTube. You can find him on Facebook. It's Bob Hardy, the Walker Runner. Uh, he really amazing story. Uh, quite incredible of a person. Yeah, and it's just one of those things I really want to share because, yeah, it's a race I get to do with my dad. 
Mm-hmm. Then it's very cool. Uh, her dad is an amazing dude. Not not only does he have all these like cool like oh I was in all these like rock bands and hung out with all these fucking rock musicians in the seventies and stuff and uh, eventually I'll share these stories with my daughter and we'll talk about it when we do the Tommy episode <laughs> with the Grindman. Yeah, <laughs> he's, he's he's also just this tough motherfucker who just keeps fucking plugging along. Yeah, he's a lot. Yeah, and so we'll we'll share all the requisite links there. Yeah, to so I, check check him out. Yeah, I wanted to throw that out there real quick, um, mm-hmm. just to kind of promote that. And uh, like I said, I'm going to be there too. Also, if you want to find me at Mighty Tiny All Mighty Tiny All Star on Instagram, mm-hmm. I will update you with all the current episodes that come out. And, and that is it. yeah, and great dog and kitty pictures as well. I've been slacking. It's mostly it's just been your stuff. But yeah, yes, you the, need, they're, you, they're on you, there on the occasion. Yeah, you you need to you need to you know, Sasha and Angel the the feed up a little bit more. Oh, speaking of Angel. Yeah, there's by. Angel going by. She's yeah, like, yeah. hey, bitch. I've been on hey, your bitch. Instagram in a while. Yeah. Just gonna walk gonna, from the camera angle. <laughs> gonna, gonna take a photo, bitch. What's going on, huh? huh? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, and of course, you can find us at tmbdos.podbean.com, where you can find all of our links. Join the Facebook group. Best way to get in touch with us: recommend movies, tell us how we're doing, leave comments, all that good stuff. Leave comments. We'll we'll respond to them. We'll talk about them on the podcast and all that. We'll cool criticize shit. you if they're bad. We will. We'll, <laughs> we will. We will tell you if you're scum. Well, well, we'll tell if you deserve a frying pan shot to the head. Yeah, exactly. Did you remember the one where I, like, criticized the person's comment? I, I, I'm sad that they never commented back, but I, I highly criticized the person that commented. That was probably a YouTube comment, right? Oh, yes, it was. Probably. Right. That, that, that's the thing. It's like we don't, we don't post YouTube episodes anymore, so those people are just, like, they leave comments and they never get responded to, you know? I'm sorry um, about it. Like, unless they're smart enough to know that, hey, this is a podcast that you can get on, like, Apple Podcasts and stuff like that, then they might hear it. But otherwise, it's like, yeah, by the way, your podcast sucks. And then we say, like, well, fuck you. And then they never hear the response. I wasn't even, I didn't even say that the, they didn't even say the podcast sucked. It was just their, uh, their criticization, criticization. Their criticization? Their criticism? (laughs) Criticism. Criticism of uh, pronunciation. And I kind of scolded them. Yeah, you're. The pronunciation of your criticization was not uh, copacetic to what we. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Anyway, it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. We're we're done. We're getting out of here. Uh, thank you, Lady Lee. Thank you, everyone, for listening. It was a lot of fun. And thank you for staying with us this time. Yeah, we you know we we went on some wild tangents tonight, and uh, it's fine. I like it. it it's, makes fine. it it's fine. It's fine. It's good stuff. All right, guys. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye. I've waited, know why I've been blue. Prayed each night for someone exactly like you. Why should we spend money on a show or two? No one does those love scenes exactly like you. You make me feel so grand I want to hand the world to you You seem to understand Each foolish
Listening to TMB DOS. They must be destroyed on site. For further episodes of this podcast, please go to tmbdos.podbean.com. We're also on Apple Podcasts and pretty much any podcatcher that you can find. Thank you. Drive through.